Hi everyone, welcome to Black Milk by Nicole Ray. Uh, today I would like to discuss a very rare topic, which is energetic trauma. And there are a lot of us that haven't had that turbulent of childhoods in terms of material reality, for instance. There are some people that have been raped or abused or kidnapped or molested or um, bullied, you know, and these are more tangible graspable occurrences that we can reference and say oh this happened to me and this is why I'm this way but then there's another group of us who have been dealing with the unseen aspects of life and existence be it spirits emotions thought forms thoughts and all kinds of different energies um, that affect us just as bad if not worse and nobody really talks about that because everybody is in fact rooted in the material realm so I just wanted to open up a very brief dialogue about this, and I'll start by sharing my experiences from my childhood. So growing up, as you guys may or may not know, I was born a seer. I'm very in tune with the purgatory realm, which is the realm where, you know, dead people, ghosts, those transitioning often dwell. Um, I was always in touch with uh, people transitioning, spirits, thought forms. Uh, I was very empathetic. I could look at someone and cry just from feeling all of their emotions. And because my family was from a very rough upbringing, they rejected that. They didn't see what I saw and they didn't try to. Whatever they couldn't understand or whatever they couldn't uh, process with their five senses, they completely rejected and then punished me for it. So. For instance, when I was very small, there would be things that people did or didn't do, either or. You know, they could actually make fun of me or hit me, or they could just have the intention. And what we have to understand is that intentions are energy too. So when you don't like someone, or you're angry at someone, or you're uh, fresh out of an argument with someone, and you're having these lingering residual thoughts harmful thoughts, angry thoughts, destructive thoughts. These are energies. And when you're not aware of them, they can develop into thought forms depending on how long you feed your life force to them, how long you reinforce them over a prolonged period of time. So this is where psychic attacks come in. Most people do this unconsciously, but when they're angry or when they just have ill intent or when they harbor a lot of rage or anger or just overall disharmonious feelings, they aren't aware of it, so it ends up affecting the people in their immediate environment who are also often not aware of it. Now, empaths and seers and clairvoyants and psychics and whatever other intuitive gift you want to name on the list, these kinds of people are hypersensitive to these things. So when we walk in a room and we act weird, or if we go somewhere and we're like, hey, I want to leave as soon as you know you step foot in the door, that's because we're responding to unseen elements that are very much present in a room, in a person, in a collective energy field, and they're doing destructive things to our energy field. Now, we may not know the technical terms as children, or we may not be able to articulate ourselves. And this is why I'm opening up this dialogue, because many of us are now adults. We're now exploring these things. We've now some of us because of the rejection that we experienced have separated from our earth families or the families that we incarnated into and we've gone off to discover you know what is this that I feel and why do I feel it and what are my gifts and what do I do with them and in that discovery we've realized that wow as a child I was trying to protect my energy field and if you don't have an adult 
that is in tune with your energy field, you're open for all kinds of attacks. You're very vulnerable. And through experience is how you learn how to protect yourself. And hopefully you're conscious and compassionate enough to teach your own offspring the same. Um, another experience that I went through was in middle school. There was a guy named Dennis. And Dennis was ridden with entities, now that I look back in retrospect. But at the time, it was like every time I was in his presence, I felt like I was going to be uh, consumed or devoured by, by some bloodthirsty entity. And I couldn't put that into words in middle school. But all I knew was that I was afraid of him. He never touched me. He never laid a finger on me. And I would run home every single day from the bus. He sat in the back of the bus. I sat in the very front so that I could get a head start. And I ran all the way home. And when my aunt started noticing a pattern, she was like, why are you so scared of this kid? Like to the point where she drove to the bus stop with me in the morning just to observe him and try to see what it was that was so, so scary and she said you know what i'm gonna put you in martial arts or something because you're just too scary like what are you scared of and i couldn't convey to her that he hadn't done anything to me you know um i couldn't convey to her that what i was sensing was something beyond my five senses because i was very young and i wasn't as articulate nor was i aware of the terminologies that would have made it very clear to her what i was experiencing so while she's only seeing the physical and the material and the third dimensional aspects of this guy, I'm seeing everything else and being uh, cast out or just looked at like I'm absolutely ridiculous or insane for being so tapped in. And, you know, I went through this for my whole childhood from elementary to middle school to high school to college. And the highlights that I can say that I had were once at uh, a very young age, maybe I was about four or five. And I had a very, very weird cousin and we were in the dark and he was also ridden with entities and he would say, hey, Coley. And, you know, everybody else just thought he was crazy. You know, in Harlem, a lot of people have mental disorders. They're on and off drugs. You know, there's a variety of things that you could chalk that kind of behavior up to. But I knew that he was ridden with entities that he was completely possessed by. And here I am, four or five years old, completely susceptible to them because the people in my immediate environment cannot sense them. They think it's just, oh, you know, he's crazy. Oh, you know, he's da 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 and you pass these things off as safe or tolerable when they're absolutely not tolerable for anybody that's in touch with their um, psychic centers or um, empathetic centers, you know? Um, so that was the one highlight. And then there was a second highlight, as I described, in middle school. And then, you know, high school was pretty smooth sailing. Um, college was also when I had a huge, huge, huge experience with... Um, being able to see and feel entities to the point where I didn't want to leave my house, I didn't want to eat, I didn't want to sleep. I'll talk about that on another, on another episode. But I'm saying all of this to say, if you feel anything that's adverse, if you feel anything that could penetrate your energy field and leave some kind of psychic or um, auric debris on you, right? And by this, let me give you an example of what I mean. Let's say that you walk into a party and you go in the party and the vibes are just not, they're not hitting for you. You don't know why, you can't describe it, or maybe you can. Maybe it feels very, very um, depressing, or maybe it feels like everybody's trying too hard, or maybe it feels sad, or maybe it feels angry, maybe it feels aggressive, maybe it feels uh, parasitic, you know? Um, 
and let's say you don't listen to that. What ends up happening sometimes is that you end up being fed off of one of these energy parasites that are latched onto some of these people. If you're not conscious, if you're not careful, if you can't peer into what's attached to your energy field and if it's cluttered or not, these things latch onto you because they need a feeding source in order to stay alive or in order to live, you know. And so then you walk around and you feel like you're just in a bad mood that you can't shake. You're walking around, you're, you're whatever the mood was, you're depressed, uh, low vibrational, maybe highly sexual, whatever it was. You didn't honor yourself. And now you have to walk around with this, this sludge, this energetic sludge on you that um, you could have avoided had you listened to yourself. Now, most people don't listen to themselves because they don't have the logical or intellectual backing to explain to their own selves, let alone anyone else what's happening, what they're feeling, and you know what it means for them or what they should do moving forward. And this is what lands us in these sticky situations that are useful because we need experience. Experience is the ultimate teacher and that's where we get true knowledge. But on the flip side, um, it can be a little traumatic, especially in a world where the majority are only engaged with their five senses and pretty much put every other sense on the back burner. So I wanted to open this dialogue again, like I said, to bring more awareness to energetic trauma, unseen trauma, you know, when you're alone as a child or when you're alone as an adult and you feel things and no one else wants, they might, everyone else might feel them, but no one else wants to delve into that because there's nothing tangible for them to grasp or grip onto or hold onto. They don't know where the unseen is. They don't know where it's headed. It's too volatile for them because it's quote unquote unseen. But if we spent enough time being courageous and nurturing that psychic center, nurturing these um, extrasensory senses of ours, right? We could become more intelligent in that area and we could start to harness our gifts in a way that not only can fully support us, but give us more power over our lives and what we indulge in. Because a lot of the random events that take place in our lives, be them violent, traumatic, dark, a lot of these events could be very well avoided if we were to just become a little bit more aware of how we spend our energy and what we indulge into energetically and what we surround ourselves with energetically or what we step into energetically or the overall environment of a workplace or a party or a friend's house or a relative's house or in or a childhood home, you know, um, you have a choice. You can honor what you feel. And a lot of us only feel um, we only feel like we're capable of doing things in a purely third dimensional way. For instance, I, I get this story a lot. Hey, Nicole Ray, I'm living with my parents and they're Christians and they're very rigid and they don't support my journey and they think that I'm worshiping the devil. But um, I can't leave because, you know, my job and I'm in school. And if I quit my job uh, or if I drop out of school, I lose my job. And then if I lose my job, I won't be able to even find an apartment or pay for one. But what we all don't realize is that right now, let's say in this situation, you're stuck at your parents house. They don't honor you, your truth, your journey, whatever. Right. You feel like you're condemned to the livelihood that comes with the stability that it, that they provide. But little do you know. The only reason that you're condemned to it and it feels like it can only get better in this very rigid, fixed way via getting a job, staying in school, looking for a job, trying to find a side hustle. The only reason that you revert to things like that is because you don't believe in yourself. You don't believe in your journey. You don't trust your journey. You don't trust yourself. You don't know yourself. So you only know what you've been taught. You have not been taught who you are. You've been taught how to operate in a system that requires a job a degree, 
um, social normalcy, you know, uh, no other literacy whatsoever besides those things. So once you become an adult and you start to realize a lot of things that weren't brought to your attention or once you start to really own up to these things and want to make a, a radical change, you often feel stifled or chained to this system because that's all you were taught. So people like myself and other nomads and other people that have been embarking on this journey within, we've kind of paved the way in the sense that we were so absurd, we were so fed up. It felt so bad that we would rather go against the grain. Some of us may have ended up homeless. Some of us may have just did something absolutely impulsive and ridiculous, didn't plan, didn't save, but did it anyway. And here we are, fine, doing it, you know, successful at it even may not have been the way that we predicted or expected but we we submit to the process you know it was the very first lesson in self-trust in trusting your journey and watching it unfold eloquently enough to convince you that hey I am capable of something divine something miraculous can happen and it's not just happening by coincidence it's not just serendipity it's not just oh I have an ancestor behind me that's you know making sure that I'm good it's literally the fact that you trust yourself. And I'm not saying that self-trust is going to feel like there's no fear around, there's no doubt around. There's absolutely going to be some residue of that because you're coming from a system that only wants you to rely on your survival mode, only wants you to operate from the limbic part of your brain, the reptilian part of your brain, the part of your brain that's only concerned with feeding, fighting, and fucking. And this is why we find ourselves trapped in this eat, sleep, work, entertainment cycle because we don't know life outside of that so the moment that one of us be it the black sheep of the family or just somebody that's all around fed up the moment that we decide that we want something different and we act on it and we just surrender crazy things happen you know and i often get a lot of messages saying hey how did you relocate abroad how did you get to costa rica how much did you save how much do i need and i'm often put in a very weird position because i didn't save anything I didn't prepare for anything. I had never even been outside of the country before when I first moved to Costa Rica. That was my first time leaving. I never went on a vacation. I never went on a cruise. I never went anywhere. I never visited any uh, family because all my family's in New York. So I didn't have any relatives or anything in Costa Rica. I didn't save up any kind of money whatsoever. I had $80. And that was between me and my partner at the time. You know, so... All that you can really take from that is that, okay, she's either absolutely crazy and she's tapped into something that I'm not tapped into or, you know, somebody's looking out for the universe is looking out for her. But, you know, for some reason, that same exact universe that created me or that gave me the, the, the gems and the tools that I need that gives me my intuitive hunches, this same universe isn't going to look out for me like that, which then delves into a self-love issue, you know. Um, you got to think a little bit more higher of yourself. And I know that's not a one night, one week, one month task, because again, we weren't even taught, not only were we not taught to know ourselves, but we weren't taught to love ourselves. So beyond physicality, getting your hair done, nails done, going to the spa, treating yourself, that's as far as we know um, about self-love or self-honor or self-appreciation. But the self is a lot deeper than that. The self is reflective of the quality of your spirit, the quality of your soul, the condition of your soul even, the, the quality of your thoughts, the, the capacity uh, for your emotions or your capacity for love in general, you know, uh, the ability to fully feel everything that you feel and still feel at home in your body, in your spirit, you know, to not feel spiritually homeless. 
And that's another topic that I'm going to branch out into. A lot of us are spiritually homeless. We don't feel secure enough to go out and do what our soul calls for us to do. It doesn't matter how loud the call is. We don't trust ourselves at all. And that means <laughs> that means that everything else will kind of follow suit, you know. Um, so what I would suggest for all of you guys that are listening that are wondering, okay, so Nicole, how do I get started in trusting myself or manifesting the life that I want to live or, you know, walking in my purpose, walking in my truth, honoring my truth? You may not like my answer, but 100% start with just honoring your truth. You know, stay out of the past, stay out of the future, and stay in the present. Stay in the present. If you have to do a couple of grounding exercises a day to completely engage you in the now moment, do that. Because a lot of us project too far out into the future, or we use too many recollections from the past as a reference point to what we do in the now. And if you were to meet the now where the now is and act from that place 100%, you might not get it right every day. But if you start doing that and say, okay, let's start small. I hate this job. I don't want to work this job anymore. You know, you could go two routes. You could plan it out and then quit accordingly and look for other jobs and make sure you have a cushion, a plan A, a plan B, a plan C. But that also implies that you don't trust yourself. So I often encourage people to go cold turkey. Fuck it. You know, quit the job. You know, let's say you call your boss and you're like, you know what, I quit. And they're like, what? You sure? I'm absolutely positive. Now you don't have a job, right? But let's say you spend your days meditating, grounding yourself, writing, doing shadow work, dealing with the emotions that your job and your occupation and your partner and whomever didn't serve you distracted you from completely starting to deal with those things. Because you can't quit your job and not deal with the things that have been sitting there waiting for your attention, a.k.a. your shadow self. You have to turn, like, right when you quit that job, you have to turn inward and look at yourself. Where am I not happy? What feels uncomfortable? What feels scary? What feels uncertain? What is untrusting? What's my biggest fear? What's my biggest sorrow? What's my deepest sorrow? You know? And you start dealing with those things, and you start offering them attention, compassion, embrace. You know, these are things that, you know, I often put it this way. Sometimes when growing up, our parents completely reject us. And they don't even realize it because they're so deep in survival mode that they're just trying to make sure that we fed, clothed, uh, provided for. And all of our emotional uh, issues, all of our spiritual issues kind of get neglected completely. And this goes back into the topic of this podcast, which is energetic trauma. You know, so we're energetically traumatized. We feel the force of being in the school system. We go to church and we feel how inauthentic it is, but we don't want to burn in hell. You know, we go to school and we feel how forced it is, how how much we want to act from our creative centers. But we're being forced to master this thing, to pass a grade, to get to the next level or, or we'll get in trouble or punished or called stupid. You know, so it's like every corner we go in, there's trauma. There's a, a setup for trauma. These are trauma traps in every corner of the, the modern man's life. From school to church to work to even the household, being judged by your academic skills, being judged by, you know, what you choose to explore as a free incarnate being, being uh, embarrassed, being uh, being chastised, being rejected, being made fun of all of these things just for being your authentic self. You know, so now your core essence is, is hiding. Now your inner child is hiding. And then while they're hiding. You don't ever want to feel those emotions again. So you then join the bandwagon of the church and the parents and the school system. And you cast out your inner child just like they did. You know, instead of stepping in and defending her and saying, you know what? 
I don't care. I'm going to be a reject in school. I'm going to be held back a grade. You know, fuck church. I'm never going to start praising this this God because this God, this God doesn't sound like somebody that really loves me. And if I got to get my ass beat 20 times, so be it. There's only a, a very select few of kids that are like that, that have that backbone to say, no, I'm not doing it. You know, and they probably get the shittier end of life. They get called deviants. They get called um, problem children, troubled children. When no, they know on some level, whether conscious of it or not, that they are free and they deserve that right. And they fight for it. They don't know what they're fighting. And, and oftentimes, sometimes down the line, life gets so hard that they just look back and say, damn, maybe I should have just went to class. Maybe I should have just listened to my mother. You know, not even realizing that they've done the unthinkable. They've remained authentic in a society based off of inauthenticity. So I'm trying to encourage you guys to get back to that because that's literally the seat of your power, honoring who you are. This system is crumbling. This is the perfect time. The world as you knew it as a six-year-old or as a 10-year-old or even as an 18-year-old is not the same world. It's totally different. Every construct that um, domesticated the minds of people, it's, it's, it's not working anymore. It's harder to make a kid feel stupid because a kid in these times knows exactly who the fuck they are. They know their intelligence capacity. They know what they're worth somehow, some way. You can call them rainbow children, starseed children. You can label it indigo children. Call it what you want. But all those details are really irrelevant. So I'm challenging you guys <laughs> to act from your authentic, creative inner child. You know, um, be yourself. Do what you love. Don't worry about if it makes you money or what your parents are going to say. Be an example for them. Even if it results in some things that don't feel good, that's you catching up to loving your inner child. If you say something that goes against what your parents or your peers or your job or your church wants, you're catching up. You're a little bit behind in your inner child work. You're standing up for your inner child. And that inner child is going to repay you through the opportunities and the realities and the portals and the almost magical things that pop up into your reality that you otherwise didn't even think were possible. But you can't do that being afraid of what somebody's going to say, think, or do. You have to emancipate yourself. And the only way to do that is to be authentic. Everybody thinks that it's a matter of, oh, I'm going to become spiritual. I'm going to do yoga. I'm going to get incense. I'm going to get sage. All the while, totally abandoning the shadow work, totally not aware of the condition of your inner child and what language your inner child speaks because oftentimes the inner child does not speak logically it does not speak in the language that we know as adults logic intellect objectivity most of the inner child sentiments are purely subjective and they act out through certain urges anxiety depression suicidal thoughts destructive thoughts crazy psychotic thoughts even this is how long the inner child has been isolated in the furthest psyche, uh, the furthest corners of your psyche. I'm sorry. Um, so we have to backtrack and we have to deal with that. Just like you would if you let's say you were an adult. Treat your inner child like you would your own child. Let's say you were an adult and you spent all this time at work. You never saw your child. Your child needed you. You wanted to work to take care of them instead of actually being there to emotionally and spiritually nurture and protect them. And then they turn 18 you know, let's say you get to retire early and you're like, hey, baby, let's spend some time together. And they're like, bitch, fuck you. You don't love me. And you're like, whoa, 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 whoa. I've been working in all this to make sure you're stable, clothed, fed. I thought I was doing something right by you. You know, and the kid will feel totally otherwise. And then you might sit there and say, oh, you are 
ungrateful little piece of shit and you might completely reject them and, and damage it more. But then there's another part of you that you can tap into that compassionate center. Like, look, I take accountability for that. I don't know what what I was thinking when I was thinking all that stuff or doing all that stuff, but I'm here right now in the present moment. And whatever you need from me right now, whatever you feel, whatever you felt that you felt like I wasn't listening to or whatever scary feelings, whatever dark feelings, whatever dark urges, they're welcomed here. Meet it with compassion. Love is the answer. You know, there's nothing wrong with people going about life in whatever way that they see fit. But one of the things that we have to ensure is that we're always tapped into that unconditional love and compassion center. Otherwise, it'll seem like all of our efforts are futile. You know, most of us try to meet these problems with our minds and our minds only do more damage, you know? So that was a little segment on energetic trauma. I hope you guys liked it. Um, in the future with episodes to come, I will most definitely be going for a longer stride, maybe 30 minutes to an hour. This is almost at 30 minutes. I'm at 25 minutes now. Um, but yeah, thank you guys for tuning in and I hope you enjoy it. If you have any questions, feel free to reach out to me on Instagram, via email, Facebook, whatever platform that you're most uh, familiar with me on. Do not hesitate to reach out if you have any questions about some of the things that I shared. Later.